The epistle reading today comes from Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 21, which is the whole chapter. If you want to turn there, it's uh, page 1160. Paul just laid out the gospel in uh, chapter 2, and he is uh, addressing the church here. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you see this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it is made as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone that was in the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold, witness, manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am, suffer what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you uh, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, in, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks be. This is the word of the Lord. morning. So I just wanted to start by thanking Pastor Mike and the elders and all those who have taught us through the book of Hebrews. And I want to share this morning just a, a brief homily um, from the end of the book. Uh, but first, there is no more appropriate text to turn to in times of COVID when discouragement and exhaustion are high in the church. And I think we have learned the key to drawing near to Jesus, our great high priest, who intercedes for us and is willing and able to help us with grace in our time of need. Praise the Lord. 
So our text today comes from the end of the book of Hebrews, if you want to open there with me in chapter 13, verses 20 through 25. We'll be staying there uh, for, the, for the homily today. So, Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 25. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. So we come now to the end of the book of Hebrews, and it concludes with this tightly woven blessing. The blessing, or the benediction, which we often hear from our minister at the close of the worship service, is a kind of final parting prayer and exhortation to obedience through grace. This passage reminds us of the amazing benefits we must never forget that have come to us in the incarnation of Jesus, who speaks to us a new word through the new covenant in his bloodshed on the cross. This final section in Hebrews serves as one of the most glorious of New Testament encouragements, full of images given to capture our minds to, in order to assure our faith, reminding us who we are and what we are called to do and to be. We have the God of peace. He is the one who is at eternal peace with himself and who makes peace with us. And he is the fount of our peace eternally. God is the one who raised Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant. This is the God who is able to provide us grace in our time of need. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are to stay in him, near the cross, his covenant blood that reminds us of greater things than Moses could ever do. The exhortation is also a prayer for us that we may be equipped for every good work with the end result of giving glory to God through Jesus Christ forever and ever. He provides through his blood everything that we need. This is grace. Calvin writes of Christ's shed blood is that which brings forth its fruit as though it were ever flowing, that we're always flowing. So back to the beginning of the benediction in verse 20. The benediction begins, may the God of peace. God is the God of peace. How so? In the Bible, peace is synonymous with salvation or shalom, as we just heard mention of in our worship service in prayer. We were once at enmity with God, and he has made peace with sinners who were once his en enemies. How has he done this? By the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. It says he brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. And Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep 
And the key ingredients of grace are all included here. When we pause to reflect on Jesus being God, his substitutionary atoning death, and the power of his high priestly intercession, this never loses its power. May this always turn us to doxology, to praise God, and to prayer for each other, for ourselves, that he would provide what we need to do his will, pleasing to him, and all we say and do. He did it through the blood of the eternal covenant. He did this once and for all, paying for the sins of his sheep on the cross. And in so doing, the blessing goes on to say that through this blood, this powerful working blood, it is his prayer and should be ours too, that with this sacrifice having been made in history and recorded by a reliable witness in the text of the New Testament, we have the confidence to draw near to God to find grace in our time of need. The blessing moves us to run with endurance through God's provision. It says, may he equip us with everything good to do his will, working us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God provides Christians with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And now, it may have been because of the Hebrew series that I recently took up the habit of running. I can't say that for sure. But it has been a nice coincidence to embark on this disciplining thing that I do as we study together a book encouraging the endurance of the church undergoing exhaustion. Now, recently I ran a half marathon. The biggest takeaway for me from that experience was the bond that comes from a community undergoing discipline together. For the last couple of miles of the race, the runners all got really quiet, and it was interesting to look around. We were all suffering together, and we were able to lean on the grace of those who were encouraging us from the sidelines, cheering us once in a while, and during any time of struggle, I think it's true, we lean on the grace of others who have gone before us in our journey. Through this joined experience, the church, we together learn how to cope with suffering and pain. We do this through the use of truth, the means of grace. In this, we cope with being part of a bigger story. We, this is how we cope, by reading and paying close attention to the work of those who have come before. Those great authors, Holy Spirit-inspired, and others have written and created in order to process their grief, their questions, their redemption, sorrow, and hope. And we enter this community every time we pick up the New Testament and read together, or individually we join the suffering of others with a goal in mind, with a, a calling and a higher purpose to attain the resurrection of the dead, as Paul encourages us in the book of Philippians, to keep our eyes on that prize of the resurrection. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, Paul encourages us again to look back at them once and f at, at the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, stating, how much more, if he gave us his own son, will he not give us all the blessings we need to finish the race? Now, my Uncle Vince, in the, in the mid-90s, had a skiing accident in North Carolina that left him a quadriplegic for the rest of his life. And he wasn't able to, to walk or run 
And my dad and I used to run at this track at my high school on occasion. And I had this dream while I was in seminary that I was running with my Uncle Vince on that track. And one day, because of the resurrection hope, perhaps we will take a jog with Uncle Vince, all of us with restored bodies and made holy without sin. The dream is symbolic of the living hope God gives us. And he sometimes gives us these tangible images in his word of the heroes of the faith that have run before us. And we will join their victory one day. It is through the hope of Jesus and the resurrection that we stand steadfast, immovable, doing work in the Lord. We take the hope celebrated at Easter and run with it, keeping our eyes on Jesus and on the cross and the empty tomb. So we take encouragement from the communion of the saints and the confession they made, remembering that one day we will feast together with the Lord in the house of Zion. This gives me joy, and I pray we may draw near to God by faith to receive everything good needed to run this race of life, honoring God and giving glory to Christ forever and ever. Amen. Now, uh, there's a time we have in our church that we're going to be sharing testimonies of God's faithfulness in our lives. Um, can I pray for us? And I'll invite anyone else that likes to share. Um, dear God, I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your new covenant and the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin and that, that preaches a better word to us. I pray that you would encourage us today with the stories of others and with the hope of the resurrection. Help us to be grounded in that hope today in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So at this time, I welcome anyone that would like to come up to share. Take your time. Many of you know my story. I arrived at Grace and Peace in St. Louis in 75 to try to create a not-for-profit housing organization. And uh, after working for Cornerstone for a couple years, living above our old church building, people in church contributed $100 a month for me to live on. Um, the Cornerstone board and the session and my prayer group said, Gordon, you need to go get a regular job and get some structure in your life. And I was shattered. This was my calling. This was what God had called me to do, to create a housing corporation, care for poor people, and change neighborhoods. And I said, okay, is this being done vindictive? Do I leave and go find another place to do what I think God wants me to do, or do I stick around because people love me? And I decided to stick around. So by the grace of God, after the next few years, I got a job to earn some money and buy a house, and by the grace of God, <clears throat> he, uh, 
He convinced me to marry the woman who had been waiting 14 years to marry me. And she moved here from Germany. And at her funeral 24 years ago, she was described as the angel of the neighborhood. But again, I was shattered. God, you've called us to minister to this neighborhood, to change north of Del Mar, to help restore it into being a living community where people could bring hope to these kids who were broken, living with broken homes on Etzel and Ellen's Kids Club. There wasn't one child on the street living with a father. It was all single mothers, and many of them didn't even know who their fathers were. And here my wife, who could be a mother to them, suddenly died, and again I was broken. And I said, how can I restore this neighborhood without Ellen? And God saw fit to take me to go help build churches and schools in Africa. The Lord saw fit to help me to help rebuild houses in Sri Lanka with MTW after the tsunami. The Lord saw fit to help me take me to Haiti after the earthquake and help rebuild church, uh, school houses there for families. And so I had to let go of my vision of stabilizing and restoring north of Del Mar. And in the meantime, the God has been doing it. Fortunately, he brought New City Fellowship to help bring growth and development north of Del Mar. In the 80s, there were over 5,000 jobs lost within two miles of this building. The hospital across the street closed, but now the hospital across the street is being renovated and suddenly jobs are coming back and apartments are being created. Whereas for many years, most of the property in this neighborhood was not bought at the tax auction. This past week, there was a tax auction, and every single vacant vandalized building, every single vacant lot was purchased by someone. So the restoration of North of Del Mar is happening without my making it happen, but by the grace of God. Gordon, I thank God for your life and his grace in your life. I will tell you a bit of my story that 57 years ago, I knelt on the floor of my dorm room at Washington University and gave my life to Christ, confessed to him the utter, utter selfishness of my life and the barrenness of any love for my life. And I gave that barren life to Jesus and asked him to be my savior. I want to testify to you today, 57 years later, that he welcomed the tiny bit of faith with which I prayed that. Tiny bit of faith, a huge amount of fear and trembling and doubt, and yet he received me. And I testify to you today that he has kept his word, he has fulfilled his promises in my life, and every bit of fruit that I have borne has been his doing all by his grace, the same grace that Gordon experienced. So I say, thanks be to God.
Um, about, uh, yes, about 50 years ago now, and now you're getting to know how old we all are. Uh, I, w I was at Labrie, and I heard a great talk by Oz Guinness on the occult, and we were all kind of shook up and frightened, and he said, okay, let's all stand up, and we'll sing A Mighty Fortress. So don't worry, I won't sing it. <laughs> but um, it was, I think, I guess that hymn has always meant so much to me, and I thought now would be a good time. I just want to read the verses. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Doth ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. I'd like to know what that one little word is. <laughs> Jesus, okay. The word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. And I also want to say, recently, Amy took me to the symphony, and guess what the theme was? Throughout every four pieces was a mighty fortress. Mendelssohn's Reformation Symphony, a piece by Bach, a piece by Mahler, and I forgot who the fourth one was but it was outstanding. Thank you, Amy. So Susan Cheddar, sometime back, got married to a guy named Tom. And I'm up here, I wanna share something about his life and my life. Um, and I don't care if it makes Susan cry or not. Uh, but um, Tom was an elder in our church, and uh, he, um, he found it a, a tremendous burden being an elder at Grace and Peace. Um, it almost wiped him out. Um, and he had a lot of anger around it. Um, and he, he was looking for some place where he could um, deal with those issues. Uh, he, I mean, he recognized that it wasn't you all. There was something in him that, that needed liberation. And uh, he came across a ministry called the Crucible Project. And uh, one of the exercises that they those men 
and women now. We, we have, we have, uh, uh, we have groups uh, for men and women, uh, weekends for them. They're intense weekends. Um, and then <clears throat> follow-up work after that, just perpetually. I mean, we, we don't want to stop this work that we've been introduced to. But uh, one of the things that, that uh, he acquired as a tool for living was an obedience to Christ about taking the log out of his own eye when he finds himself judging another. And, uh, and I don't know if, it, well, there are many of you who, who um, uh, when Tom, before Tom died of uh, brain cancer, that uh, responded to his call to sit down one-on-one -on -one with him and he always brought me along because he taught me how to do this tool, this thing called a clearing. And what it was is a way to be obedient to Christ. And, you know, I always thought, well, I'm not going to, uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't have to take a log out of my own eye because I don't judge any of you, you know. Um, I, I just don't because I, he told me not to judge. So I'm going to just not judge you. Well, um, through this process, I noticed that I learned a blindness that I had, a blindness that um, caused um, me to just deny a lot of things that needed access to Christ in my life. So I, I spent, I, I would come along and I would facilitate these clearings so that, the, so that Tom could uh, replace, he could, he could deal with judgments that he had towards different people in this church and own that he was projecting his own issues onto you. And he'd get them, he would really do, dig in and do the work to get those things uh, out in the open that are his issues. And he was gaining a liberty that was just fantastic. And, uh, you know, so I couldn't, avoid, after a while, going to one of those weekends myself and diving deep into the crucible of, uh, of truth and finding big truth, bringing big grace from Christ. Is, uh, you know, so there's a verse in Philippians that talks about uh, um, that we have, an, we have a salvation and it's not, it's, uh, you know, it's given to us. It, it's accomplished for us in Christ, but it's then one that we can work out with fear and trembling, for it is God within us both to will and to do after his good pleasure. Um, and um, so I'm going up to Chicago in three weekends from now with the second weekend in May. I'm going to staff one of these, these uh, intense deep dives into the crucible. Uh, you all want, you know, men, I mean, you have to go on and find ones for women that are a different time, but, uh, you know, men, could, you can sign up, come if you dare. Uh, we're actually going to do one in St. Louis. Uh, I'm hoping that it's the first week in August. If you can't drop everything you're doing and go up to Chicago here in two weeks, you know. Um, and, um, but I wanted to, I wanted to own... Um, with Tom that uh, 
our salvation can be worked out, yeah, with fear and trembling, uh, with a real joy that it is God who's at work within us, both to will and to do at his good pleasure. And um, I just am amazed that I had to wait so long in my life to really enjoy the kind of freedom there is in obeying Christ and actually digging in and uh, letting real truth bring real grace. And I encourage you all to find ways to do that, if not in the crucible, in your own prayer groups. Get real in your own prayer groups and encourage one another that Christ can, uh, can actually accomplish the sanctification you long for in your life. A small story about insignificant events where my Lord gave me hugs that I needed. A client communicating that she couldn't arrive for training gave me an extra half hour of a morning, took away some income. but gave me time to give extra care when Janine needed it. And the Lord gave me eyes to see that this was his doing. Later that day, another client canceled, took away more income, gave me extra time to get grocery shopping done and not have to rush to make a date for coffee. Another chance to have eyes to see that my Lord loves me, looks out for me, and gave me yet another chance to say thank you. You are so much bigger than I could ever put into other words. I just wanted to thank this community, the body of Christ, for um, really running the race with us. I feel like as I reflect back on this year and um, Kyle and I both um, being in health care of sorts and seeing a lot of suffering and um, uh, struggle in the pandemic and just the normal struggles of marriage and parenting. Um, I feel like I could give a shout out to everyone in this congregation who have loved us well and um, kind of been limping along with us and said, let's keep running um, from men's prayer groups with faithful evenings of fire and discussion to our really lovely prayer group to friends at um, our like family and parent our kids with us. Um, I'm so, so thankful for you all, and um, I'm thankful for the people in this congregation who get up and share the gospel, and I just want to say that if the enemy is whispering to you that the Lord doesn't see you or care about you, um, that he doesn't see 
um, the burdens of your heart that um, that he's not with you. Uh, I want to speak against that lie and say that the Lord loves you so much and that you are a beloved part of this community and um, that I'm thankful for the resurrection hope of an empty tomb and a Savior who lives and um, death being defeated forever. It's I I agree with Mike's preaching last week. Let's um, encourage each other in living out Easter as a community. Thank you. Um, I want to add a thank you also. Uh, I've been in Grace and Peace for five and a half years. Uh, it's the only church I visited and uh, uh, when I came to St. Louis and the Lord had it prepared for me to be here and this week I'm going to be moving back to Cincinnati, which is my home, and uh, I just wanted to say more than anything, I want to praise the Lord for his faithfulness and mercy to me, uh, particularly through this church family, and uh, I feel like I have learned so much about what it means to love and what it means to be in community and to um, really be vulnerable. I think I came here with somewhat of a hero complex <laughs> and was humbled uh, quite a bit uh, to have to let go of that and find my identity in the Lord. And I think one of the ways I experienced more of that was just having his love reflected to me through this community and particularly through my prayer groups. Uh, which I, I could name every name. It's uh, the three, I think, three prayer groups I've been a part of. Um, and just if you're not a part of a prayer group, I just encourage you to consider that, that uh, that can be a life-changing community. So thank you, my family. Uh, the Lord be with you.